The following is a CA original. We're stale. Right now, we're 14 and 14 since January 1st. I got, it's my job to shake it up. There are some good things about it. Overall, at the end of the day, it don't matter who was on the floor for us. We couldn't guard them off the dribble. That's the bottom line. We have to solve this puzzle of speed. Until we start getting places earlier in the mind, we're going to continue to struggle with it. But that's that's really our, our biggest Achilles heel right now is you know handling speed, off the dribble, getting back on defense, all of those things, being quicker to the ball. we got to get uh, better. You intend to stay with a, are you going to experiment? Couple games, yeah, and see what it turns into. And then if this ain't getting it done, I'm ready to shuffle some more. That's my job. I'm not going to be satisfied with mediocrity. Since January 1st, that's the best word I can use, because we are a mediocre basketball team. That's on me as well, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm controlling what I can, which is minutes, line up, all of that kind of stuff, and hopefully it'll have an impact over the long haul. This is the Grizzlies Podcast with Grizzlies beat reporter Ron Tillery, columnist Jeff Calkins, and pick and pop columnist Chris Harrington. And that, of course, was Grizzlies head coach David Fisdale. I am Ron Tillery, the only beat writer the Memphis Grizzlies have ever known, joined by columnist Chris Harrington and Jeff Calkins. And uh, for a second straight week, I think I'll channel my inner Chandler Parsons. Uh, you guys are the big three, along with our producer Forrest, and I'll just make a couple shots uh, here and there and call it a good day. Uh, <laughs> but uh, obviously the, the topic is, uh, first and foremost, the lineup changes that David Fisdale made, guys. And uh, it was uh, surprising, uh, to put it mildly. I, mean, I, I said to Jeff this morning, it was when, when I saw when the lineup popped up, you know, 10 minutes before the tip, my first reaction to it, and this is not David Fisdale's thank you, but my first reaction was not about last night's game or this season. It was about this summer. To me, it looks like the lineup change you make if you're out of the playoffs and you and you need to make decisions this summer. It's can Brandon Wright and Marcus all play together because we had a decision to make about you know Jermichael Green and 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 Zach Randolph. It's wow, Mike Conley has really looked great playing with combo guards. What if that was our primary lineup? You know, Andrew Harrison won't be that player, but he could sort of stand in for that type of player. We could take a look at that. Like it makes sense in terms of those big picture franchise questions. It made no sense in terms of this is the middle of a playoff race and you got to win this game. Unless you just thought it was a crappy Brooklyn Nets team and you can just do whatever you wanted to do and. And uh, well, I joked about that before the game. Like, like you can do, yeah. throw, and it, it, <laughs> but, but be I totally think wrong. even there it was. Even there it was. I can I can do this experiment. and I'm going to get away with it. But I don't think it was for that one game. He was very clearly trying to run this out to see how it looked, and he figured he'd emerge looking like a rose, you know, smelling like a rose this time because what they're going to win. To me, it was just. I mean, to me, it was nuts on two levels. Um, the minutes that went, it, it, not just the starting lineup, the minutes, the minutes that went to Andrew Harrison and Tony Douglas, who are borderline NBA players at best. I, I've never really considered Andrew Harrison that he's demonstrated he should be an NBA player. And Tony Douglas, the only team that thinks he's an NBA player is the Grizzlies. Um, the minutes, the heavy minutes that went to them in the middle of a playoff run is just crazy. And, and then beyond that, I do think you have to look at these changes in the context of the changes that aren't being made around Chandler Parsons and that have never been made around Chandler Parsons. Because if you're going to say, I'm not satisfied with mediocrity, we're going to, you know, it's, we, 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 we're, we, we, have, we, we can't be mediocre. I got to make shuffle in the lineup, whatever else. And yet you have a totally different standard that doesn't apply to this guy that then applies to 
Jermichael Green, who's coming off a 2010 busted ass performance, and Tony, Tony Allen, Allen, who's been the heart and soul of this team, right. and you're going to say, yeah, we're not going to stand for it unless it's Chandler Parsons, who will stand for anything. And yeah. I think that larger context is is why it's goes over like a lead balloon in the locker room. Yeah, I, I want to get back to your initial thoughts, Chris, in a moment, but I because um, I tend to agree with a lot of that for various reasons. Last night just seemed to make the situation so much more complicated than it should have been for <laughs> yeah. what Jeff is for the reason Jeff is saying. There was only one move to make if you were going to change the starting lineup, if you were going to shake it up, and that was to put Chandler Parsons on the bench. You know what worked. And at the beginning of the season when Chandler was unavailable – the starting lineup with James, uh, with, uh, James Ennis worked. And so then you can dilly-dally with how you play the reserves, you know, with you know, Troy Daniels and, and Vince and everybody else and, and, and Chandler because, you know, you know, he's got to run out there for like 20 minutes, you know. But, but that, it just seemed to be – they overthought it. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> – they, they, that's yeah. the word I used this morning was, was an overcalculation. It was yeah. – in terms of the, the backcourt thing, you can see the rationale. It was a wrong rationale, but you can at least understand it. It was, wow, Mike Conley looks great. That's why Tony Douglas has been playing so much lately. Mike Conley looks great when someone else can handle the ball. And they put so much weight on that, doubling up with Douglas and Harrison, that it sort of tipped the whole thing over. And it, this theoretical idea of Mike Conley with a ball handler sounds great, except on this roster, that means you're giving 45 minutes to replacement-level players. You don't. That's not where the talent is. Right. I don't know what the rationale was, though, for the Brandon Wright switch. No, because um, he doesn't help stretch the floor. I mean, um, he's not an offensive player. I just know what it was. You lobbing it to him. I don't know what it was a response to. Like you can see what the. Well, I I, I guess if if I was going to reach for the response, it's like Mark got his butt whipped with athletic big. Well, okay, that's a good point. That's the only athletic big you have, you know, outside of Jay Michael. But you know, he's not as long, right? You know, but Jay Michael's guarded uh, Carl Anthony Towns. He's he's guarded. the big fella Anthony Davis in, in New Orleans. I mean, like he's been guarding the best bigs all season and, and fairly well. So it it didn't make a lot of sense. And then like the only thing about Andrew Harrison is the the sad part is what other options does he have? Like Wade Baldwin can't play. Doesn't like you said, like you said, Tony Douglas was supposed right. to be in the NBA. He would have been. Well, right. Wade Baldwin and, and, couldn't play, but right. neither can Andrew Harrison. Right. He can't play either. That's but, rel- but relative to no, that's their he, talents. Um, I mean, he's better, why you which is keep, saying a lot. It's why, theoretically, the idea of Mike playing a lot off the ball and where you can spot a minutes is sure. great. With this particular lineup, it doesn't make sense because Andrew Harrison can't play. And so Andrew Harrison, who can't play, is – you know, is not the and and Tony hasn't been good either. I'll be you know, let's be honest. Tony hasn't been the fully unleashed Tony that he has been at different times this year. Um, but Mike and Tony is a better backcourt than Andrew Harrison and Mike. It just is. That's where I give Fesdell a little bit of. I sort of want to account for the problem that he is facing is that this roster is increasingly showing itself to be imbalanced in that you have four front court players who are all deserving of being NBA rotation players right now. It's hard to find minutes for all four of them. Mike Conley is literally the only perimeter player on the entire roster you can truly count on. Like, we can look at this and say, and I think we're right, but we can say, you know, how do you give all these minutes to Andrew Harrison and Tony Douglas? If only you had played X and X, 
It's entirely possible you play X and X and you're still bad. You say, well, if only you had played. You could always think the guy on the bench is going to do this thing, but right. they've all been mediocre at best pretty much for a long time now. I, I think going back to your original point when we started, it speaks to a larger issue. Like my Twitter feed is filled with anti-Fisdale. When the reality is, unlike his predecessors, uh, Dave Yeager and Lionel Hollins, he's got a lot of cooks in the kitchen that he's having to listen to. I cannot believe, and I have not spoken to him about this directly, that he wants to start Chandler Parsons. I mean, Fisdale comes from a championship culture. He wants to win. He's trying to prove himself as as a uh, first-time head coach. you got to believe that he wants to do whatever it takes to win, and Chandler Parsons does not help you win. I um, I think you got to look at management in, in, a, in a lot of this because they have a lot of say. I mean, this guy in Fizz has helped them overachieve through a lot of stuff you know um well i think most people i I think there's anti-fizz today and it's the first time it's really come up all year long really i mean he's gotten a lot of credit justifiable for for having mark shoot three pointers for unleashing mike as a scorer for the way he's handled zach i mean first off the court stuff for the way he talks about social issues for like he has been perfect uh, up until I thought yesterday was highly imperfect. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't know that he's getting. It, it is interesting how you negotiate that because in these same circumstances, Dave Yeager would have said, "I can't believe what those bastards and management are doing." Like right. he would have made it very clear, at least mm-hmm. off the record, that I'm getting screwed. Like he thought at the trade deadline last year, mm-hmm. thought, made it totally clear he thought he was getting screwed. Uh, whereas David Fisdale, when he stands up and says. I believe in Chandler Parsons, like he says, the company line. I don't think that's one hundred percent him. Yeah, it's, but it's hard to know. Is it him? Yeah. Is, is it? I can't sift that out. And some of that may be his loyalty, but it's impossible to know where that's coming from. And I, I think it's, you know, I talked about the imperfection of the roster, but I think it gets back to the point you made at the beginning, Jeff, about and it, it's not just the on court; it's also the locker room. And if you're going to sit a Tony Allen in favor of this third string point guard who hasn't produced all year and suddenly he's the starting two guard over Tony Allen and you're sort of jerking around guys who have been through the wars with this team and been through the wars with Mike Conley and Marcus all mm-hmm. for players who are unproven and are not performing and that includes Chandler Parsons by the way yeah I mean because that goes to your earlier point about like are they devaluing Jay Michael now all of a sudden like is this more of a offseason big picture type you know shake up um, maybe so Maybe they maybe they won't want don't, him. To I don't come think in. that was the intent, but I think it was. I think it was unintentionally suggestive of the decisions they're going to be making this summer. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah, I, I don't know the J. Mike. Thing. I, I they gotta think they value J. Michael just because of the way he's played. How could you not? Well, but they tried to trade him honestly at the trade deadline. Didn't like the deals that they were getting, so they just I held see. on to him. So they were ready to move. They, on they were ready Jim to Michael. move him because okay. Well, that's the reality that's very is just for the summer. And yeah. I think there's no question that it. Jim Michael it, Green looks great for one million. What's he going to look like for eight or nine? Right. And th- that's the decision or whatever it's going to be. And Tony Allen, <laughs> I think it's pretty clear they. You know, if I were a betting man, I would bet this is the, if you want to see the Tony Allen show. My bet is that you've got how many home games they have left? Ten, something like that. I'm not sure. My bet is that you've got you know ten home games and. Two playoff games. Two playoff games. <laughs> and you got to, to see the Tony Allen well, experience. It, it just struck me, and maybe I'm just thinking too deeply about this, like they thought too deeply about that starting lineup. It just struck me going into that locker room and just seeing the depths of despair, the the funeral-like atmosphere, 
And then Mike Conley saying, well, you know, it wasn't a shock to me. You know, Coach talked to a couple of us. It was kind of like the Robert yeah. Perry meeting in San what Francisco. You <laughs> what do you make of that? I, uh, it was I, obviously I, Mike and Mark. And they I, talked to us. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and then, you know, Mike and Mark aren't leaders in the – Strongest sense of the word, uh, according to today's NBA, like a Draymond Green or a LeBron. So James they don't say you can't do that. They just they say, say, do say hey, coach, do. do what you need to do to win. You know, and then Tony's like totally caught off guard. You know, Zach's like shaking his head and just exhaling like, you know, like well, no, I mean, nobody. It's hard. It's hard to figure out whether management and or uh, Fisdale have put themselves in a position to compromise that locker room. I mean, like, how are they going to bounce back from this? Because not only do you not go out there and stomp a mud hole in the lowly Brooklyn Nets, but you lose. Right? And now you got the Clippers <laughs> coming up, and you've doubled yeah. down and said you're going to think after he responded to your question about how long he's going to go with yeah. this, he's going to go a couple more games. And he doubled down on starting Chandler. I mean, like, they don't even see that as an option of bringing Chandler off the bench. Parsons, it's the funny thing is for all the drama around Parsons the last few weeks, last night was like the first night like, and, and and forever that yeah. he actually helped his cause a little bit. A little well, bit. Well, by making shots, but he can't guard anybody. He can't I mean, move. Yeah, he well, can't that's move. the other thing. Is like, the, I mean, I don't even know half their roster on the Nets, and this dude Levert was like kicking his butt. That's right. the other thing. If, <laughs> if the whole theme of the post game was we've got to be quicker to the ball, we've got to be more athletic, we've got to get back on defense, we got to whatever. All those things suggest that maybe James Edis would have a better role than Chandler Parsons right now. Yeah. Like all those things. You want to need more quickness, whatever, and yet we totally ignore everything you're saying applies to everybody except for Chandler Parsons. Yeah. It's just a double standard and in a place where is a you know, it's the it's it's a meritocracy in there, and and those minutes have been earned, and the reputation have been earned, and the uh, of this franchise, and to sort of sort of set all that aside because some of agenda, I I can't imagine it goes over well. And Mark, in Mark's comments last night, and you were there, um, it sounded like when he said we can't worry about one player, we have to worry about the team. It sounded like he was talking about Chandler Parsons. Yeah, because I mean, they always preach accountability. And where's the accountability and where's the basketball sense and keep trotting out Chandler Parsons for these minutes who that are just not earned. Right. I mean, it's it's not helping the team. Mark doesn't even pass the ball to him. Who it, believes in Andrew Harrison in that organization? Is it is the coach? Or I think the it's Hollinger. I think that's a Hollinger pick. What, what, do you, what would you say, Chris? At the time that he was drafted, my, I was told that the, everyone kind of liked him in the front office. Mm-hmm. But I don't think whoever likes him in the front office, that has nothing to do with they're not telling David Fizzell to start him. I mean, I think the minutes he's gotten clearly, the coach likes him. The coach didn't didn't went, right. didn't get him, but now that he has him, he 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 has a faith in him that seems. So where do they go from here? I think that's going to be the the ninety four million dollar question <laughs> <laughs> because they play the Clippers next. <laughs> I mean, and they're teetering. I mean, like I, I, the the good news is guys like Tony, Zach, and of course Mike. Won't act a fool. And you know, it's funny, like all these years, everybody's worried about how you manage Tony and, and, uh, and Zach. Well, Mark takes a lot of managing, too. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, Mark's a handful. <laughs> and so I think you got to watch him because he got his butt whipped over the weekend. You know, he looked he didn't look as engaged last night. Right. You know, because, you know, he just. Except and, and, when Brooke Lopez dunked on him. The next two trips down the floor, he was very engaged. He put, well, he, he put threes, threes in his face yeah, twice in a row, yeah, and then yeah. that was sort of it for the night. Yeah. So where do they go? I mean, this this is a real breaking point. 
I mean, they got four games at home, and 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 as we've discussed over these last few weeks, everybody can look at these other teams' records and assume that they're going to be an easy out. But everybody's playing right now. The four or five game looks like a struggle to get right now. You lose at home to the Clippers on Thursday, it really looks like a struggle to get into that game. Yeah, yeah. No, I it's um, it it is amazing. Back to your point about Mark, because we're sixty something games into the season, and they're still searching. And I think everybody around um, onlookers outside the franchise are just saying it doesn't have to be this way. Just play the obvious lineup. <laughs> we understand it's flawed. Right. Play the obvious lineup. Yeah. See how far it takes you. Remake the roster in the summer. Mike Conley like, might not get his 30 points playing right. with Tony Allen, but you may have a better basketball team. Right. And it's sort of, you know, I think the mark, the mark is all comments. I think we're about Chandler Parsons, but it also sort of goes to the idea of what doing everything we can to free up Conley to score. Well, that's great, but that's like focusing on one aspect of a total team game. Yeah. And if you're giving up 122 points because your defense is bad, I don't care how free Mike Conley is to score. It's sort of like, what's the best balance to win the basketball game? And you can't absolve Conley of his poor perimeter defense. And I almost wonder if the the uh, amount of um, responsibility he's given in the score is taken away from that because he's never been asked to be this dynamic right. offensively. Right. You know, maybe that's an excuse. I don't know, but I—I I mean, he's—he's he's got a lot of pressure on him because the move in the offseason was made to take pressure off of him. That's one of the things they're searching for. They just haven't been able to do that because Chandler Parsons isn't a playmaker. Well, I mean, you know, the signing Parsons and, and drafting Wade Baldwin to different degrees, you expect a more immediate impact from Parsons. They were both sort of ideas of players who could be on the floor with Mike Conley and handle the ball. Right. Well, those are players who, with high upside to one degree or another. Parsons is hurt and Baldwin's not ready, so now you're trying to do the same stuff with guys like Andrew Harrison and Tony Douglas. And so the theory doesn't work as well when the players aren't as good. I mean, I, I think we can look short-term, Jeff, but long-term, I mean, they're in danger of really wasting the prime years of Mike and Mark. Well, I mean, there's no question. And, and uh, they likely will. I mean, they don't, <laughs> they don't have draft picks, and so we're wishing the Chandler Parsons. And that's why, honestly, like last night, even to see him do anything – productive and you're right he'd hit a shot and then he'd get absolutely destroyed on the defensive end like the mm-hmm. next trip down it was not pretty overall for Chandler Parsons but it, just to see to see some progress to see him play in back-to-back games and to see him hit some shots let at least gave me some small I'm clinging to some hope for the future because he's got to be better otherwise you are going to waste the I mean you're in that you're, you've made your bed and and there and Chandler Parsons is sleeping in it and so um you know the, the, it'll be interesting to see how they remake it last year and I mean next year we got plenty of time to talk about that but it's got to be frustrating for Mike and Mark and going back to Fizz last night was clearly like he looked like a rookie you know how like Sometimes rookies come in and just light it up, and then they have that right. one night. Right? Yeah, he looks like a rookie. And, but I, because I just cannot imagine Keith Smart, JB Bickerstaff, Fizdale putting their heads together in a room and coming up with that. Like, there's got to be some interference in there. I just, I, I mean, with, with Parsons, yes, but I, <laughs> I can't imagine anyone in that front office is going to try to convince them to start Andrew Harrison. I just got to think that right. that is, that that it's a consequence mm-hmm. of being fixated on how good Mike Conley's been with another ball oh, handler yeah. and with just size. trying trying to throw right. all your yeah. all your all your chips into that, you know. Yeah. And the fact that he went and talked to Mike and Mark about it, and to me that I'm, I sort of tend to be with Chris. I believe that is a 
that is a Fisdale production. And mm. and he's entitled to make a mistake. You know, I mean, he is yeah. a rookie head coach. We, hasn't, we haven't thought about him as a rookie head coach all year long. No, because he's because been hitting he's, the right notes from yeah. the moment he stepped into Memphis. No doubt. The Clippers game is the perfect game to say, I, like, he's done it before many times. He said, I've screwed up. And I think... To me, the thing to do, it's the Clippers. You want Tony and Zach in there. You're going to get a fully engaged Tony. You're going to get a fully engaged Zach. Just say, I screwed up. Go back to the lineup that you should have. Say it was a one-game experiment. It didn't work. And go on from there. If you do the other way, you're going to get destroyed by the Clippers. It's likely the Clippers will beat you no matter what, the way the Grizzlies are playing. You're going to get destroyed by the Clippers and the way they're playing. (laughs) And it's going to look worse because now you've doubled down on the lineup. And this time, instead of having a patsy, supposed patsy, like the Nats, you got the Clippers who are going to make you look foolish. And then you've lost more credibility. And now now when you switch back, you really have your tail between your legs. Well, you know what? I I wondered, too, on my ride home last night, since we're playing armchair coach, that stretch when Mike, Mark, and Zach were just beasts. I mean, just tearing it up and just carrying them. Would that have been your your path to putting Zach back in the starting lineup? I mean, I think there's an argument for that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think whether he starts or not, I think you get into the playoffs and down the stretch, you're not playing him 16 minutes. You're paying him 25, 28, 30 minutes. You're riding him when he's got it going on, right. whether he's starting or not starting. Um, and I think it, it it had been shifting that way until you know and it was inexplicable last night. Right. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, consequence yeah. of having Brandon Wright in there because then Jermichael's two, and then all of a sudden Zebo's in Brandon Wright's old role. He's getting right. sixteen minutes. Yeah, makes no sense. Nah, I, I, that was weird. That because because Zach was getting lathered up over the over the last several games. You know, so I just almost wondered if that would have been a possible. Move. But again, it always goes back to Chandler Parsons <laughs> because right. everything seems to. To be done around him. I mean, we. I mean, like people are killing Troy Daniels. People are killing James Ennis. Uh, you know, but they've been directly affected by all of this. Well, I think there's this question of defense and offensive balance. And like Zach got blown by last night, but I think it was either Quincy Acey or Trevor Booker or whatever. That's going to happen sometimes. He's going to make up for it on the offensive and on the boards. Yeah. But if you're playing him and Chandler Parsons together. At the forward spots, mm-hmm. you, you gave up 122 last night to the, you know, I mean, yeah. you got a real problem defensively. And so I don't know. I felt like if you wanted to reinsert Zach, you need to move Chandler to the bench. And we're sort of saying that anyway. Right. And I, I feel, I don't know if you can start Zach Randolph and Chandler Parsons together right now the, and get by defensively. Well, uh, I know people get sick of me being stuck in the past, but the Grizzlies are stuck in the mud. I mean, I, I just can't help but think about. Ever since they traded Rudy Gay, they've been chasing that three. Like, nobody in the NBA today plays without some kind of dynamic scoring at the two and the three. Right. I mean, uh, Tayshawn didn't work. Jeff Green certainly didn't work. Chandler Parsons is incapable. You're getting – I mean, you can't play in the league. We can talk about stretch fours and all that. But I agree, Tony has to play. He's grown on me. Like, I used to hate the fact that you didn't have a shooting guard who could shoot. But if you're going to have him, that personality, that game in the lineup, the three has to bring it. Yeah. He's got to make up for it. And healthy Parsons would be that. I think if Chandler Parsons were not injured, he would be a perfect yep. fit on the basketball floor yeah. offensively. It's just not there. Right. And it's and it's not – it's not good. you'd be better with NS or Vince Carter, but it's not there with them either. They don't, it is not on the roster. And they still, unless they throw Tony Daniels out there and he gets hot. Some nights. But see, I've, I've kind of learned. Daniels, excuse me. I've kind of learned to deal with this team, relatively speaking. Like, relative to what they're getting, Ennis looks like LeBron. 
<laughs> relative to the backup point guard spot. I mean, I agree with you guys. Harrison is just probably a third or maybe out of the league backup guard. I am I mean, there's not much I am there. interested <laughs> that the, the, what you dropped about them trying to trade Jermichael because there is at least a narrative that they were complacent at the trade deadline. They didn't try to do they didn't try to correct this imbalance that Chris was talking about. Too many bigs, no decent wings, not a real backup point guard. They had to keep Tony Douglas. They had to re-sign Tony Douglas because of that. I do think it makes a difference if they actually tried to address that. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. They don't have a lot of things to move. Right. If they tried to address it and failed, I think that's a little more forgivable than being, eh, we love what we have. Because anyone could have seen that they what they had was an imbalance between Well, two things. Um, the trade deadline showed you that first-round picks were valuable. Like, you had to come with a first-round right. pick, like, bare minimum. And then secondly, they had nothing to get a first-round pick for. Right, because I, mean, so, I can't believe they and, weren't trying to get in the first round and none to send out. Yeah, because yeah, they owe the yeah. one to Boston, yeah. and that's and that's because of you know it's because of that Cleveland trade from once upon a time, and yeah. it's because of the Jeff Green trade. Right, so the Cleveland trade's the pick this summer. The Cle- right. Cleveland trade, which is the one that sent a bunch of junk, Murray um, <laughs> Spates and who else to Cleveland just to get him off the payroll. He had to send a first-round pick in order to do that. And then... It was a salary dump. It was right. a salary right. dump. And then the and then the Jeff Green trade, right. which has sort of gutted their flexibility in terms of making deals. Yeah, And they won't have the second rounder this year, probably, because Miami is hot. Right. Fisdale's old team is the, has the best record in the NBA since January 15th. And the Grizzlies, as Fisdale continues to point out... <laughs> are mediocre since January 1, 14 and 14. So, okay, last podcast, we all kind of agreed. Oh, kind of. We all agreed that they would finish seventh. Uh, where are we today as we finish up here? I think that's most likely, although Oklahoma City has struggled more, a little bit more than I thought they were going to after that trade, partly because they've been on the road and they're not good on the road. I would still pick the Grizzlies seventh, but, I mean, I think they they could fight, fight with OKC for that 6-7 all the way down to the very end. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard certainly looked like he'll be a tough handle last night, didn't he? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the likely scenario. I agree. Seventh place Grizz. San Antonio. Although, the Spurs, what are they, two out, two and a half from first place? They got three games. Grizz, we will have a preview of this because the Grizzlies yeah. have three games against them, three against the Spurs coming up. We maybe see Grizzlies. We miss a we, lot of Grizzlies. We, we first games we'll see Grizzlies first seven times over <laughs> the next exactly two months. Right. <laughs> The only bad part about all of that is it'll be likely with Kawhi, who is definitely an MVP candidate. So, all right. Thanks for listening. We will catch you next time. Take the CA wherever you go. Download the Commercial Appeal app on your smartphone or tablet and get push alerts when breaking news happens. It's a free download for your iPhone and iPad in the Apple App Store and in the Google Play Store for your Android device. This is the Commercial Appeal.